welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Value Adds Value. My name is Kyle Krieger, joined by my guy, Wilkie V. Law III. Will, what's happening? Not a lot, man. Excited, enjoying this time off. Yeah. Um, I'm really taking a brain dump and not doing anything school-related at all. Yeah. At all. Like, nothing. No learn, Not looking at a learning plan, not looking at a lesson, not looking at anything. Nothing. Yeah. Taking a break. Yeah, and you were, you were just saying a little while ago, too, that you've taken a break from your doctorate, your dissertation, so that's been That's good. been beautiful, man. It's, it's, it's crazy how when you're not putting in so much and not doing so much that your brain actually has a time to reboot. Like I say, I told you, I want to write now. I want to get into my research, but I'm just kind of like, just hold your horses, just, just, just wait, mm-hmm. wait, pace yourself. And, and like I say, I think we have to have this time it's like the perfect time to be able to, to, to kind of reboot, mm-hmm. so to speak. Absolutely. So we are, we are super excited. So both yes. of our guests today we've had on previously. Um, and once we had one of them on, the other one came on and then they were like, we should come on together. So we're, we're so thrilled to have Heather Cassiopo and Lauren Larson back on the podcast to talk a little bit, just, I mean, let's, get started just on what your year's been like so ladies thanks for taking some time to talk with us thanks for having us again yeah seriously so excited yeah so i I think um maybe just kind of starting with um each of you just a little bit of your background in case if people haven't listened to those prior episodes just kind of your your general job title what you're doing and where you're at and then we'll get into we'll just kind of get into what the year's been like. And and from there, we'll just kind of take it as it is. So yeah, I'll start. I am Lauren Larson. I am a K-6 uh, behavior specialist interventionist at two public schools here in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, before that, though, I was in the classroom for a handful of years as a um, K-6 structured autism self-contained teacher. So I worked um, all kids on the autism spectrum, like all ability levels and um, all grades in the elementary school. So that's kind of my background. And I'm Heather Cassiopo. I am a self-contained special education teacher in Illinois, and I've been teaching now for seven years. Um, this year, I am fully virtual um, for 11 students. Um, and Lauren and I kind of became really close friends within the last year once COVID hit. Um, we connected through Instagram and became really close from there. Yeah, I'd I'd love to I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of how how that relationship developed because I mean we've connected with some <laughs> I love that your cat is back, Lauren. <laughs> always, oh, always. Oh yeah. So, uh, but I'd love to we'd love to hear a little bit more about that because you know we see Instagram and and we feel like there are like those Instagram friends that are people you just connect with. But I'd love to hear how because like you always love to hear that real relationships develop from the platform. So how did you guys, what, what's kind of the story that you got close? 
So I don't know if Heather recalls it the same way I do, but we um, both were, <laughs> but it's like we both were presenters for um, educators to educators um, and we were both doing it. And I am tech stupid. Like I am horrible. And so actually I hit Heather up and was like, Hey, I need help. <laughs> and we started talking cause we were both presenters and that I was horrible. And she had to help me out way too much, uh, with all the tech stuff. And, uh, that's literally, I think how our friendship blossomed was because <laughs> I had to talk to her like every day for tech help. And, um, we just realized we had so much in common and we kind of had really similar goals, like moving forward in our businesses and stuff. And so we really connected on that platform and, um, we just like realized like we are really good friends and we talk every single day. I'm not kidding. I probably talked to her as much to talk to my husband <laughs> and um yeah we've never met in person probably we were going to but COVID this year and stuff but um yes yeah, Heather's that kind of <laughs> the gist I would call it more of an accountability partner yes. <laughs> I think we leaned on each other right. a lot um because it was our first time <laughs> presenting at a conference um so I think I would take some information from her and be like, okay, are you using a PowerPoint? Are you not using a PowerPoint? Are you just going to talk in front of a camera? Um, and we would kind of bounce ideas off of each other. So I would call it more an, an accountability partner. It was, it was a mutual <laughs> relationship for sure that started. Um, but then, yeah, I would agree. Our businesses were very similar starting points. Um, she was starting to make a website. I was starting to make a website. Um, and we went through building our websites together um, and all of that. Um, so I was more of the tech savvy one because my husband works in information technology. So he was always, I know how to do this. We'll quickly do that. And then I would go and tell Lauren. Um, and we always joke that, I mean, at least in my household, I always joke that what I would do or what I would get, Lauren would get. So I got a mm -hmm. spin bike. So now Lauren got a spin bike. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's just traveled through our friendship um, is, you know, got to keep up with the Joneses, I guess. Yeah. You keep know, up with and, each other. And, yeah. and I, I can say at least from our perspective and Will, you can kind of attest to this, the difference between the, the in-person presentation versus the virtual presentation is it's so different and granted now that we've been virtually teaching and we've done you know a half a dozen of those virtual presentations but I remember our first couple will we just talked to the camera we didn't have a present like we didn't have a powerpoint we were just like we'll do it just like we do our podcast and see what happens <laughs> but then you see like and I think the difficult part especially with the virtual presentation is not judging your presentation on some of the other people that are like mm -hmm. super tech savvy that are like doing that because it's it's really I mean and I know from having watched both of your sessions they're super good and it's so easy to lose focus of the content you're presenting mm -hmm. and get lost in the oh I have to make it look a certain way and have these transitions so I think that's story. one of the worst mistakes I made before my actual presentation. I set in on other people's session. And so you get that kind of like, oh, wow, mine sucks so bad. You know, and then the next time I was like, hey, let's do a PowerPoint. Let's let's kind of click through the slides and go through or, you know, let's add a video in here. Let's add this. And so you get, but you know, I think that's the beautiful thing about presenting is that when you present and you attend, you gain so much that enhances you. So you're not just a regular participant, you're enhancing your presenting skills, also your craft for when you go back into the classroom. So you kind of get it on both sides. So that's awesome how your friendship came 
from your ability, Lauren, or inability to <laughs> navigate the tech space. Um, and then, I mean, and for you guys not to have met face to face, that's huge. Like that, and you know, the way that you all talk about each other and like, you know, when we interviewed each one of you, it's like, you would swear up and down that y'all are like, you know, besties that hang out all the time. And, and that's not the case, wow. Well, and she's got family that's like a town away from me. Mm -hmm. or family or friends or whatever so I was like wait when you come travel you can come see me too yeah that's the funny thing her husband is from right by where I live too so I was like seeing the same thing I'm like all right well maybe we should all just you you drive up Heather will you fly up and we'll all meet in the Twin Cities and we'll have a good time but I remember we must have been at the first time we went to teach your heart out like we were at teach your heart out and one of the presenters was um you know, we were like there and we were engaged and talking and like she came up to us afterwards and was like, are you guys like actually friends? Because she thought we were just two random people that met each other at the conference and we're like, no, no, like we're, we're actually friends. So it's, it's so strange to have that feeling of like, oh, like, yeah, I really feel like I, I, I know this person, but even still with the presenting piece, like, I still have that fear with our, like my, that presentation for me is our YouTube channel. Mm. Like we have so much content and I can't, I just am so, I'm so self-conscious about it. I'm so self-conscious about it that I have put so little of what we have because I'm like, I watch, I watch other teachers, YouTube channels and I'm like, Oh my God, this is like unbelievable. And you hear them, hear them talk like, Oh, I spent, four hours on this one four minute video clip and I'm like I don't I don't I don't know how to do that but we're learning we're we're growing in that regard so um do we want to kind of just get a get a catch-up update on how how things have gone since we talked with both of you in the fall I guess maybe start with with you Lauren because you were discussing a little bit of the the back and forth that you've been through with your school yeah. So um, for us, like I said, I teach at two elementary schools. So I service all of the students in their school with their social emotional needs. And um, I, we started off virtual and then we went back in person, which lasted probably about a month, month and a half. And then we went back virtual and um, it's just been kind of a roller coaster for us. We had a lot of COVID cases amongst our students and um they just kind of pulled the plug around Thanksgiving to send us back virtual. And in January, we're going back virtual. And it kind of has been met here with a lot of um, a lot of big emotions from parents and stuff that were just very unhappy. It caused our superintendent to quit because they were um, like stalking him and our governing board and um, harassing him and his family and his kids are getting beat up at school and um, just really... Um, parents have some really big emotions about it and um, it hasn't helped the state of our schools. Um, and so it's been really hard just to kind of ping pong, ping pong back and forth. Um, our kids have a lot of anxiety about just the instability of it, the instability of it. And um, it's just kind of been a, a roller coaster since I talked to you guys last. So like that's, I, I mean, I've heard of stories like that where you know, there was a story out of a small town in Kansas where a mayor mayor resigned because people were threatening over a mask mandate or a, hey, if you're in stores, wear a mask. But so like parent, 
just can't understand how people think that that's an acceptable way to handle yourself in that situation that that a superintendent had to resign but did that Mm -hmm. i mean did that really change anything when the superintendent resigned because someone else just probably stepped in yeah so our old superintendent who retired actually last year um who had been our superintendent for over a decade he actually came back um interim to take over and the funny thing is is they um really did this like his parents did this um hoping our schools would go back in person and our old superintendent came back and said nope we're still staying virtual and we're going to do what's best so it's just really sad because um i mean obviously you have these thoughts and opinions but to to do that in front of your children and to show that kind of not being a role model in that regard and stuff that was i think the really hard part because we had students who like i have students who some of those families were my students and families and um, we'd have to talk to those students about how their parents are behaving and it's causing a lot of emotion from them and stuff um and so it's really hard because these parents actions are affecting our students and they already are going through so much and now they have all of this that's coming from the home setting into the school setting with these big views that aren't even theirs and big emotions that aren't theirs and stuff so it's been really hard wow wow i know i don't i don't even know i don't even know what to say i don't even know what to say to that yeah, it's been a, as a teacher too, just like the instability of all of it and stuff and the unknown is just also kind of unsettling and stuff just, and also you just have such a, our superintendent who was new this year. I mean, obviously he came in in a pandemic. He did his best. He was amazing. And he just got, I mean, his family was just getting death threats and stalked and they had to have security outside of his house and leaving signs outside of his house that were so nasty and stuff. And just to think that people are doing this to other people in such a time of crisis and stuff. Just, it's so heartbreaking. Do you think the situation would have been the same if your superintendent was there maybe a year later, like the trust would be there with parents or do you, do you think it was just everything? I think honestly, just, we have these parents who are just very um, entitled and they just feel like they are just that's their belief and they're just gonna speak it how they speak it I think honestly it would have happened to our old superintendent too I I just think people just feel like they have these rights right now and these big emotions and thoughts to project and it's just so sad how people take it out hey everybody just want to take a quick break from this episode of the value adds value podcast to just say thank you um, for listening for all the support and if you listen this far We would love it if you could hit that subscribe button, that like button, leave a review, or jump over and find us on Instagram at valueaddsvalue at its.will.law.iii and at itskylekrieger. We would love to connect with you there, learn more about you and how we can help you in your teaching craft and your teaching practice. So find us on Instagram, like and subscribe, and also take a second to find us on YouTube at value adds value as well. So just a way for us to connect with you, serve you better and help you in this profession that we all love. So thank you. And we'll get back to the episode. But what about you, Heather? Um, I would say it's very similar, not to that extreme at all, (laughs) but I would say parents have very big emotions. Um, I feel like our district has divided in that regard. Um, 
you know, either the parents really want them in person or they really want them virtual. Um, and they don't want this like hybrid half online, half in person, like um, just because it's unstable for parents, for childcare, it's unstable for the kids, A day, B day, whatever. Um, so I'm a virtual teacher all year. I agreed to that and my students have stayed with me. I don't think anybody's going to be leaving at the semester, but um, parents have the choice if they would like to switch their child to virtual or in person um, at the semester, which is in, I think like two weeks. So, um, but yeah, I've been virtual. So nothing's really changed a whole lot for me. Um, except for the fact that they said that this virtual academy that I'm in um, would be a separate entity for what's happening in person. Um, and it's not. Um, so their schedules have to align with what's in person. So originally um, the district had told parents of the virtual academy and the teachers of virtual academy that we would be nine to 1.30. That was our time. Um, you know, it's a little bit of a shortened day, a lot more asynchronous work, um, things like that, more time for teachers to check in with the, um, the students because there would be eight to nine and then one thirty to three, the parent, uh, the teachers can check in a little bit more because um, the teacher school day would still be eight to three. Um, but we have to align with what in-person is doing because they have to meet up with, I think it's like band and social studies or something like that, um, that the teachers are doing both. They're doing virtual and in-person because there wasn't enough band teachers to go around or, or social studies teachers to go around to separate them, I guess. Um, so anytime that the in-person students are there, we are eight to 3.30 on the computer all day long. Um, and we have a Wednesday asynchronous day. Um, so they don't have to be online. The kids can do independent work. Teachers will do their check-ins those days. Um, but when they are hybrid or in, or they are virtual, not hybrid, they're virtual, then we move back to that nine to one thirty schedule. So we've been doing a lot of back and forth from the time change um, for like extending the day and then shortening the day and then extending the day and shortening the day. And then on the Wednesdays, when we don't have school, that's so confusing for my kids because they need that routine and they need that consistency that they're like, wait, where's my teacher? I don't know what to do. I, so I'm, I'm mostly online on Wednesdays anyways. Just to give them that consistency. Exactly, exactly. So, and you know, I think that's one thing that's being taken for granted um, is the idea that school provides students with that consistent schedule you know, we were talking with, um, I think it was Principal Ra, and when he said that we're asking, asking our students to develop a, a schedule, a daily schedule of how they're gonna learn, what classes they're gonna do, how they're gonna do the work, how they're gonna complete the work, how they're gonna navigate each one of these classes. And we're asking this as young as elementary school when we have seniors who graduate high school who can't navigate that properly, they still need a schedule. You know, you still have a scheduling counselor who walks you through the process of making sure your schedules, you can get from one end of the campus to the other end of the campus, you know, or whatever it may be. But we're asking our kids to do this now. And I can only imagine in, with your population, both of you all's population, how much more compounded that is um, for, for, that, for that population because they 
they thrive in those environments when you have that consistent structure. And now it's kind of almost like freelancing. Mm-hmm. And predictability. They know what's coming next. They know what activity they need to go to mm-hmm. because it's routine. It's consistent, like you said. And when it's not that way, I'm telling the kids every day when we log off, okay, you have to go and do this assignment. You know, I'm being more direct with it versus, okay, go do your homework or do your asynchronous work. It's, you have to go into the Google Classroom and I'm sharing my screen, doing all that fun stuff and saying, you need to work on this assignment today. It needs to be submitted today. Um, you know, and you're right. It's, it's difficult for even high schoolers to do that, let alone elementary and middle school. Well, and I, no, go ahead, Kyle. Oh, I was just going to say, as a person, and Wilk could attest to this, that I'm a very, like, um, free-flowing, like, I, I don't do structure well. I struggled with this when I was in person and I had a schedule giving my kids consistent routines. And, and there's 100% a difference between, like, hey, you're doing the same notes and worksheet every single day and and doing that stuff and, and having a routine of expectations. So I guess the question I would ask the, the two of you, especially in this situation is, is how, how do you prioritize that routine or how do you try to make that routine when, when things are so in flux? Because I mean, I have my regular ed kids that are struggling with, with the routine aspect of it. Well, I was going to jump in and say, I think a lot of it too, sadly falls back on these parents, especially in my realm, like K6 and stuff, like some of these K3s, K2s, like they can't do half the stuff by themselves or be independent or keep themselves on a schedule, a routine, a checklist. Like, so it's a lot of, I feel like I've been working in my role as like the behavior specialist with families, like parents, like to help parents navigate these routines and set up these um, boundaries and systems and settings and stuff like that. Because things that come so naturally to us as teachers of like, don't put them in a room with all these distractions. Like, don't let them have their cell phone. Like, just like the basics, like put snacks in their room and water and stuff. Because I have parents who are calling me or reaching out that are so flustered and so stressed and stuff um, because they don't even know how to do this and set their kids up for success in these basics of routines. So I've been working with families on just like the very basics and actually instilling this stuff into families to help their students because some of these students are getting one over on their families and they have the families have no idea until the, the teachers and it, it's causing so much conflict and just there's so many people involved now and it's really going back a lot on families so that's kind of the hard thing is we have to almost instill this in parents not only students to help get this going yeah it's definitely a fine line um, because I am virtual, I'm working so closely with parents. They're right behind the kid or right next to the kid or nearby. Um, and I'm trying to find that balance of, I'm not telling you how to parent, but I'm telling you something that might help your kid that I've seen, you know, they're sitting in their bedroom, like you said, with all their toys behind them. And so all of a sudden there's a pile of toys next to the kid and you walk in the room going, are the toys have always been here? And I'm like, well, it is his room. So yeah. And I'm, I don't want to overstep and say, well, put your toys away. Cause is that my job? I, I don't know. You know, and there's that really, really, really fine line going, well, he, well, it wasn't super distracting. Like it was just by him. You know, it's not like he's shoving it in the computer or anything. Um, so yeah, I would agree. I think working closely with parents to help provide them some ideas or supports 
or things that may help their child at home um, with routine or schedule or like you said having snacks nearby um, I think has really helped um, I can't I can't tell you the number of parents and I have eighth graders and I've been working with sixth and seventh too the number of parents who's who have said to us as a staff well, the kid is just on his cell phone all day and I can't get them to focus on their work. And you have to bite your tongue not to say, then just take their phone from them. Who pays the bill? <laughs> but but I, I'm, I am flabbergasted at how many parents wouldn't, won't do something like that. And I'm not saying like there's a generation of like bad parents because I've learned having two sisters who each have kids and my wife and I do not, that I don't, I don't give parenting advice. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tiptoe. I, I don't wanna say like, you should parent when I don't have any kids. I agree, it's, that's it's where just, I'm at too. <laughs> it's just those things where you sit here and say, and, and it's such a delicate line because we've had parents that gets, you give them a suggestion and they get super defensive. You have the parents that say, it's not your job to parent my kid. Mm-hmm. So I just really, I mean, and Will, maybe you could speak to this about what it's, what it's been like to have a, you know, a 15 year old during this time. Well, I'll say this. Um, my daughter's exact words to me were, daddy, I am much better face to face than I am virtual. Um, she struggled, even though my wife and I both gave her a a schedule. We sat down with her and said, okay, on Mondays and Tuesdays, let's focus on the Mondays and Wednesdays. We're going to focus on these classes. Tuesdays and Thursdays, focus on these classes. Friday, you catch up. Um, there were still situations where she got behind and she struggled. Um, I had to have conversations with some of the teachers because I thought it was an abnormal amount of work that they were asking kids to do you know, you asking a kid in every class to do an hour worth of work every single day for every single class, you know, that's alone is eight hours worth of work, you know, times five days a week, that that's almost incomprehensible um, and an incomprehensible expectation for kids. Um, and most of them didn't dial it back, um, you know, and so again, I think I, for me, I use my experience as a parent through this to talk to my parents. Uh, like when my kids are absent and I know they're going to be absent, I'm on the phone with their parents saying, hey, uh, your kid's going to be out. This is all I need them to do so that they can keep up. I don't want them to do everything that we're doing in the classroom because that's just ludicrous because a lot of the stuff in the classroom, I put stuff in my lesson because they want more things in there for the kids to have options. Well, I may sit in the class and teach the lesson and say, okay, we're only going to focus on this right now. Or I may give a quick check and say, okay, we're not going to move on to this. We're going to stay here. And I may go through it. It may look like a lot of work on paper, but we're not doing all of that. You know, so it's just a matter of telling the parents, look, I don't want your kids sitting in front of the computer for eight hours a day. I do not. I don't want to sit in front of the computer for eight hours a day. So we have to figure out that balance between what's enough work and what's too much work, mm -hmm. you know? And I think because again, this is only, we can't count, we can't count the crisis learning that we did from March to, to May. I only look at from August to now. And I think that when we look at that, we're, 
we started out overloading. I know on my campus, then we drew, we drew it back a whole lot. Mm -hmm. I think after the first three weeks of that, I, I, I was like, I'm not giving all my kids that work. That's just, <laughs> I put myself as a sixth grader and I hated the sixth grade. Um, there's no way in the world I'm gonna sit for a class that I hate and do this much work. It's not gonna happen. You know, so I do things like, I'm gonna show you a motivational video and ask you to write something about it. You know, and that's your assignment. I take a grade for that. Well, how are you giving them a math grade for something? Because it's not about math right now. It's about them understanding the components that's going to make them a good human. You know, and even some of the teachers who are on my team who teach SPED, they come to me and they're asking me questions. I'm like, I don't think you should give them that much work online. Your expectation should not be that they're going to complete eight or nine assignments in a week. They wouldn't do that in your classroom. <laughs> is that two or are you saying up two i i am i i right now my school started with when we were doing like the hybrid and now we we started out hybrid now we're all virtual we, we were doing four assignments a week now that we're all virtual at least for the time being i'm doing two assignments a week so when my kids have their asynchronous day that's when they get their assignment and then on our live meeting days we kind of talk about it and we kind of have fun and I let things go sideways because this is like the only group time that they're getting it. And I didn't mean to interrupt you with that, Will, no, but, but a question I do want to ask is, I know that there have been times on my campus and I've heard from a lot of teachers that there's been conflict and resentment from the teachers who are not the teachers who are not giving all the assignments, but the teachers who are like really going above and beyond and giving a ton of assignments there's a lot of resentment that not everyone is doing that. And I wonder if that's something you've seen. Well, I can jump into that because this is a conversation I have frequently because obviously I'm not in the classroom, but I'm supporting every single teacher at two schools, which is a lot. There's God, probably a hundred teachers I work with and I hear it all the time from a handful of teachers and they're straight up like, it makes me upset because the standard is not there. Like across the board, what some teachers are doing is not what other teachers are doing. And some feel like they're working harder while others are slacking or like some are doing the bare minimum of what they need to do. And others are like exceeding and stuff. And for us, we, um, at one of my schools, this, the district did not um, put out a, we're a big district. They did not put out like a specific plan of like, this is the schedule. So I have one school on one schedule and one school on a completely different schedule. And even between the fact that two schools are on two different schedules where one school teaches till 2.30 every day and one school's done at 12.30, imagine being those teachers in district who are hearing of other schools you're only working till 1230 and then you have the whole afternoon to just do office hours or like small group time, but we're working till 230. It's a nightmare. Like teachers across the board with just like the lack of an expectation and a standard, it's creating so much um, animosity amongst teachers. Yeah, I would say it's a little bit different for me because I'm home. I don't have that comparison. I don't see what other teachers are doing and I don't know what other teachers are doing, um, but I'm sure it's there. Um, and I think right now the frustration with teachers is like the the administration is what they're frustrated with because of the changing schedules and things like that. Um, but I know I have some parents for the requirement for us is two and a half hours online that we have to be present and two and a half hours that they have to do on their own. So, um, which is a lot for our kids um, to do 
two and a half hours of work by themselves so that you have to consider that's um, um, they're elective so they have art or music that they have to do work for they have PE they have their related service like OT PT speech um, and then work for me so I think at the beginning a lot of the parents were giving a lot of pushback because it was more on them um, because they had to get their child to do that activities or do those works and things aren't getting turned in um, and what I'm seeing now that we're almost a semester in is parents are just shutting down. Um, the, the work isn't getting done. The students aren't doing the work. They're not motivated. And they're also online for two and a half hours, almost straight during the day because we're front loaded um, so that they have the afternoon to do their asynchronous work. Um, so I wouldn't say I'm getting a lot of that um, teacher pushback. It's going to be more from the parents right now. Um, but like I said, I know my situation is way different and I don't see pretty much what anybody else does. Yeah. What's good, fam? Thanks for checking out this episode of Value as Value with our friends Lauren and Heather. Um, yeah, it's been really hard uh, this week not to drop a couple of podcasts about the situation in our country, um, trying to edit this podcast while watching what happened in the Capitol has been a lot to take in. Um, and Wilkie and I um, are still deciding whether we want to share our thoughts on that. But um, we definitely wanted to make sure that we shared this podcast with you. Um, and hope you'll tune in uh, later in the week to the second part of this conversation with our friends Lauren uh, and Heather, who just bring such an incredible perspective and um, voice to the work they do with kids who are getting special ed services. So we hope you'll check it out. Um, we hope this message finds you well. We hope that um, if there's ever anything you need from us, any way we can support you, that you'll reach out. Uh, Find us at the ledproject.com on Insta at value adds value and just about everywhere else. But like I said, it's it's a crazy time. But we want to make sure we keep doing these podcasts to share positive messages with you and and if nothing else, let you know that we're here. Um, and you're not alone and we're all gonna keep working. We're all gonna keep going on this. So um, have a great week and we will share the second part of this episode with you later on.